Good morning, church. Good morning. Hope everyone is uh, having a decent morning. Um, the uh, as we as we've talked about before, you know, life is life is what it is. Um, you know, there's ups and downs, there's peaks and valleys, um, and I, I don't mean to say that, uh, um, you know, I was going to use the word haphazardly, as, as, or flippantly, you know, it's, it's not, you know, okay, and, um, because every peak and valley has its, has its own sets of challenges. Um, there's, this life is a testing ground for each and every one of us. Um, I was watching a program the other day, um, it was, uh, they call it the, uh, um, Pyramids, Paradox, something along those lines, um, and if, if team member here, he'd, he'd correct me immediately, but <laughs> basically this, this paradox is, it, it, I don't even know it's a paradox, it's, uh, basically a theory, right, that the only reason why um, we haven't experienced other intelligent life, you know, to the extent that we are intelligent in the universe is because there are, there is, there's a, there's, there's something that, it, that, that keeps other advanced life forms from reaching out across the cosmos to other planets where they're May, may also be advanced life forms. It, in essence, what they say is that there are, there are boundaries, there are, um, boy, there are action limits. And, and I'm picturing it in my brain, I'm just not putting it into words, right, that, you know, civilizations, they get to a point, and the reason why we don't have, or we don't experience a multitude of civilizations uh, the way that we are civilized, let's say, is because that um, the universe won't allow organisms to go above and beyond a certain limit, right? They will become at least so advanced that, you know, that they will kill themselves off or, you know, the expanse of the universe is traveling so far away um, that it's impossible for organisms to advance fast enough to keep up with the speed at which the universe is expanding. And, you know, I, I say all that to say this, that, you know, life has its own ups and downs. You know, there are inherent challenges that we face that have nothing to do with you, that are just a part of the experience that is the reality that we have here on this side. You get old. You have pains, you have discomforts. It has nothing to do with you. It's a biological process that will occur independent of whatever decision you make. It just happens. There is always an undercurrent of, of challenges that each and every one of us face. Mm -hmm. The birds, right now, they, they are migrating wherever they migrate for warmer weather. Mm -hmm. Well, isn't that a challenge? that they have to flap their wings for thousands and thousands and thousands of miles to go find a summer abode, hmm. right? It, it's not, they didn't choose to do it, they didn't, but it's just a part of the struggle. Mm -hmm. 
And that's okay. That's something that we can deal with. You know, if, if, if and we all believe in God mm-hmm. here in this room and on the call. So um, I, I know that when I, when I say this, that it's going to be 100% accepted by everyone who hears it. That God has designed us as human beings to be able to deal with the base level challenges that we all face, mm-hmm. right? Um, again, I go back to the universe. The universe is expanding exponentially faster, right? The, the stars in the sky are getting further and further away from us. And astrophysicists will tell you that, you know, well beyond our lifetime and the lifetime of our kids and our kids' kids and our kids' 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 kids, kids is that the, uh, our children, you know, many generations beyond us, if the universe lasts that long, will look up into the night sky and they will see 50 to 75% fewer stars in the sky. The, star will, the skies will be so dark, in fact, that it will seem like we are the only thing in the universe. Mm. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. But God in his infinite wisdom right has has created solar systems right which will defy the expansion of the universe so while we may not yet see other solar systems in the sky we will always see the stars of the milky way amen see that see how god works i mean even in the design god has made things built things in such a way that we will be able to survive. He's built you in a certain way that you'll be able to survive just the basic challenges of life. I go back to the birds. The birds are able to do that every year, right? Do they complain about it? When they get there, they're like, oh man, we have to do this again, right? They're built, genetically built to be able to do those things. What makes us different is the choices that we make outside of those normal challenges. Yes. You and I, as let's say as human beings, have free will. And our free will puts us in a position where we can add trouble on top of trouble based on the choices we make. Yes, you are going to get older, but if you don't take care of yourself when you're young, as you age, you are going to accelerate that pain and anguish, um, that, arth- that arthritis, because of decisions you made in the past. Yes, you are going to get older, but you can make it worse with the choices that you make today. Man. But God in his infinite wisdom has even built a, a system in place to help us in making those sound decisions. And you have it in your hands today. Mm-hmm. You have the Holy Bible. See, God knows that he has given us free will. God knows that there are ramifications to the choices that we make. God knows that as human beings, we have the propensity to add trouble on top of trouble, on top of more trouble based on the decisions that we make. And guess what? He has given us his gospel to help guide us into making choices that will not that will keep us from adding trouble on top of trouble on top of trouble. Yeah. Well, how do I know this? 
If you go to the scripture reading in the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter, I want to thank brother people for reading that. But, you know, the scripture Jesus tells us, right, take no thought for the morrow. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about tomorrow. And he said, you know, even before that, he, he speaks of God's love and his, uh, his preference, if you will, for us. Mm -hmm. More so than the, you know, the flowers of the field, the, the birds, you know, uh, you know, the skies. You know, he says that we are more valuable than all of these. So why wouldn't our Father God give us, prepare for us, um, provide for us the things that we need in this life. Mm -hmm. Now I go back to, uh, and I mentioned this, and I know I've mentioned this uh, many times, is uh, debt. That's trouble on top of trouble. Mm -hmm. Right? Here's the inherent trouble. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, right. They had everything provided for them. They didn't have to work. They didn't have to toil. They didn't have to do any of it. And because of sin, uh, the sin of Adam and Eve, we all know that the inherent trouble that we have as adults is we got to go out there and work. Mm -hmm. And and I say that to the women as well. You may not may not uh, work outside the home, but you're certainly working inside the home if you have yeah. children. Right? It, it took work to, to press that big-headed child, you know, out, out of your body. When, when you, that was work. That's also part of the curse. You know what else is work for the women? You know, being in subjection to a knuckle-headed man. You know, your husband. And I say that to the benefit of Sister Garner. Right? Is, that is work. That is work. To, you know, to subject oneself to another human being. But that was all a part of the inherent trouble, the curse that was given on Eve and all women at the very beginning. I, I speak to the men in the room. You know, the inherent trouble is that, guess what? You, the man, has to take care of not just himself, or even before himself, he's got to take care of the woman, he's got to take care of all the children. He has to work with the sweat of his brow in order to provide for himself and his family. That obligation is given specifically yes. to the man in a marriage relationship. Mm -hmm. That's the inherent trouble. Is and I think of it, you know, in modern times, you know, I've got a wife and kids, I gotta I have to have a place for them to stay. You know, I have to have transportation. I got to, you know, there's food bill, there's gas bill, there's electric bill, right? That's inherent. I got to, you know, those are bills that I'm going to have until the day I die because that is just what is necessary for me to live. But when we add trouble on top of trouble mm -hmm. is when we make the choice to go out and buy a car that you can't afford mm -hmm. or a home that you can't afford or a vacation that you can't afford. Or, you know, uh, you know, shoes, clothes, and all of these things that you know you can't afford, right? Because you feel like you need them. We add trouble on top of trouble. And if you go back to what Jesus says in Matthew, the sixth chapter, what he tells us is God knows you got to eat, God knows you need, you need clothes. God knows you need a place to stay. And 
And what does he say? And I'll, I'll just say how Jesus says it in verse number 31. He says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? I mean, you know, Jesus is saying, you know, why are you questioning, you know, where all of the basic stuff is going to come from? And I'll get to this trouble on top of trouble, right? Because human beings, we don't just want the bare minimum. We want more than that. You know, we just don't want to live comfortably. We want to live, I don't even know if there's a, something above comfortably. Right? Is there? I don't know. Maybe there is. Well, we strive for whatever that is. You know, we just don't, we want to have, but Jesus again says, in verse number 32, this is one that I, I struggled with. Why is he putting the Gentiles on blast? I mean, why is he, why is he knocking the Gentiles here? I mean, I'm a Gentile. I mean, I, I'm, well, let me rephrase that. The Jews of that time would look at me as a Gentile. I'm no longer a Gentile in the spiritual sense. Uh, I'm a Jew in the spiritual sense. Um, and if you don't, if, it's in the it's in the New Testament scripture. I don't have that verse readily available in my memory. But Jesus has told us. The scripture told us is that the Jews, the spiritual Jews, are not the Jews that are circumcised of the flesh, but the Jews that are circumcised of the heart. And I've been circumcised in the heart, and I am a spiritual Jew. But in this context, Jesus is talking about the, um, you know, the, uh, the the Gentile people, those who are non-Jews by heritage. Mm -hmm. Let's say, you know, in in the context of uh, of, of who we are. As spiritual Jews anyone who is not a spiritual Jew is a spiritual Gentile outside the fold let's say mm -hmm. and you know the you know oh I, I don't want to lose the point because I, I if you have our Bibles um, turn to uh, I think it's first Peter I believe that's where I want to go First uh, Peter, the second chapter. Uh, let's look at verse number nine, and then I'll go back to Jesus' statement about this about the Gentiles and, and why he would say what he said. First Peter, the second chapter, starting at verse number nine, it says uh, Peter describes us Christians. Uh, it says, "But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation." A peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness. Right? And, and at that time that Jesus is making this statement about the Gentiles, they were in darkness. Hopefully you're tracking with me here. That the Gentiles, at the time that Jesus is making this statement, are in darkness. They are not a part of the promise. They are not in the light, if you will. And in 1 Peter, the second chapter, as Peter is talking about us as Christians, yes. we were those spiritual Gentiles. We were out there in darkness, but now we are, what does it say? We are called out of darkness into the marvelous light of God 
via Jesus Christ. It goes on to say in verse number 10, just to, uh, just to hammer that point, which in time past were not a people, right? Back in Jesus' time, the Gentiles were not a people that God preferred. But, uh, again, in verse number 10 of 1 Peter, the second chapter, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from flesh, excuse me, from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Okay, this is where I get to. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, right? Again, referencing back to what Jesus said about, you know, the Gentiles are those that worry about, you know, where they're going, where their next meal is going to come from. How are they going to get clothed? Where are they going to, how are they going to get fed? You know, these are the same people that speak evil of us, right? Continuing in verse number 12 of 1 Peter, the second chapter, that they may be your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. And, you know, one of, one of the things that I just want to highlight here, that uh, Jesus is, the reason why he put the Gentiles on blast is not to say that the Gentiles are bad people, is just that because they are outsiders, because they are evildoers, because they are in darkness, because they don't have faith in God, it is absolutely natural for them to worry about tomorrow. Good. Sister Bill, Brother Bill, did you get that? I want to reemphasize that point. Because they are outside in darkness, because they don't have faith in God, it's absolutely natural for those Gentiles... And as they were at that time, who were not a people of God, who did not have the loving kindness of God, who did not have the preference of God, it is absolutely normal, and I would expect them to worry about tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Because for them, tomorrow is an absolute coin toss. Mm -hmm. For them, it is absolutely like wandering in the wilderness without a compass. For them, it is absolutely like stumbling in darkness. Now, they could stumble on a pot of gold just as well as they could stumble on a pot of coal. You know, they're just haphazardly just moving about, you know, without any direction or compass. But what Jesus says is that we are not like them. We are God's people. We, we are preferred by God. God, as, as Jesus got through uh, uh, highlighting, is God finds value in us more than any other creature on the planet. So as he takes care of the small things, why wouldn't he take care of each and every one of us? If we have faith in God, we don't need to add trouble on top of trouble. We don't need to go out there and make silly and, and dumb decisions about money. We need not, you know, mm, I really need to go ahead and spend this money now because I don't know about tomorrow or, or this or that. God knows what you need. 
And he is, what he says, and in, uh, in if you have your Bibles, just go back to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Again, in verse number 32, he says, For your heavenly Father, and if that doesn't highlight, you know, the, you know, our relationship and how lucky and blessed that we are. I don't know what it does. It says, for your heavenly big F or capital F father. You know, the guy that's up there in heaven. You know, the, the guy that's omnipotent, all seeing, all knowing, past, present, and future are all, you know, in front of him. He sees and hears the prayers of the righteous. He's given us the Holy Spirit that maketh utterance to him, even in moments when we're not praying. You know, that guy who is always in tune, that guy who has counted every single hair on your body, you know that guy? Your heavenly Father, as it says, knoweth that you have need of all of these things. He's going to take care of them. What's the first word in verse number 33 of Matthew, the sixth chapter? <laughs> That's right. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a corner there. You know, with every corner, you've got to look around it, right? If you don't want to get hit, you know, by an oncoming train or an oncoming car, you know, you may not be able to see danger around the corner. You know, as well as you may not be able to see a blessing around the corner. There's a but. You got to look around that corner. There's a but. It says, again in verse number 32, God, that your heavenly Father knoweth you have need of all these things. He's going to take care of all of them. It's not that, it's not like he's just blind to it. But, a but is a condition. You know, God doesn't tell a lie. Right? So he's promised that he will take care of us. But there is a condition. And it's not really a condition. It's not saying, you know, God isn't saying like he's going to hold blessings ransom if you don't do X, Y, and Z. That's not what he's saying. Here's, and, and, I, and I know this is but the tip of the iceberg of God's wisdom. But just, just follow with me here. In verse number 33, Jesus says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know what? And again, this is the tip of the iceberg. I'm not a savant by any stretch, so I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to put myself on air as like I'm the smartest person here in the room. This is but the tip of the iceberg. This is just what God has revealed to me just because he loves me. Um, he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But as a condition. And the result of meeting that condition follows the and in the latter part of this verse. And all these things shall be added unto you. 
So here's, here's where I'll start with the, the tip of the iceberg as far as wisdom. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Mark, the, uh, the first chapter. In uh, Mark, the first chapter, there is, uh, and again, I, I, I struggled with this up until recently. And here's where I struggled, just as a primer to, to read in this verse. And then we'll, we'll get back to verse number 33, and that's where I'll conclude. I've always struggled with, man, if Jesus walked up to me and said, follow me, mm -hmm. I'd be kind of upset. Here's why I'd be kind of upset. Or maybe... And I say that with, God knows my heart, so he knows what I'm meaning to say when I say I'd be kind of upset. But I'll, 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 I'll explain. I've got a wife and three kids. Mm -hmm. I've got to work. Unfortunately, brother and sister Marzette did not strike it rich. Um, unfortunately, brother and sister Garner didn't strike it rich. I don't have a heritage that I can tap into or what, what do they say, an endowment or, uh, what? Heritage, no, not a heritage, but uh, you know, like a, a, a trust fund. There we go, that's what I was shooting for. I don't, I'm not a trust fund child, right? I gotta work, right? And I have to go out there and work. I mean, I'm not, I make enough money where I shouldn't be living paycheck to paycheck, but you know, trouble on top of trouble, right? right. I mean, they're Thomas, and I won't put my sister Garner in this, but Thomas Garner made some decisions that put trouble on top of trouble, and that's me. I'm going to have to bear that cross and the ramifications of those choices. But my point is, is I've got to work. I can't stop working and take care of my wife and my three kids. There was a, a brother who visited with us, a Caucasian gentleman, um, his wife was African-American, you remember? They had three or four beautiful kids. Um, and they, they sat in those back two rows there. And I remember I was talking to him and he said, yeah, just one day um, I said I wanted to be a minister full time. And I said, okay, was that before or after you had kids? <laughs> And he said, well, um, we had two kids at the time. We've since added to the family. But he said, yeah, I mean, I had to, I had to work uh, to feed my family. And then one day, it just I just made the decision that I'm going to be a full-time minister. I'm going to find a congregation. And, and I'm just going to do what I feel God has called me to do. And I, I just marveled at that. Mm -hmm. I, mind blown. I, today... And, and I pray to God that maybe some, and I, and I know he's working on me every day, but I pray to God that I live long enough to, to, to have the kind of confidence that we're going to read about here in Mark, the first chapter. Where when Jesus would call, I just say, right on, and throw everything to the side and follow him. So turn to uh, Mark, the first chapter. It's starting at uh, verse number 14. It says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee. He needed to, he needed to, to find 
more disciples. Not that he needed more, but there was, it's all a part of the plan. There needed to be 12 disciples. Um, so he went about, uh, as it says, went into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And this is what he was saying. This is what Jesus was saying. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea in Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew's brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And this is what it said in verse number 18. It's not like they debated long. It's not like they said, okay, Jesus, um, we would love to do that, uh, but give me a couple months to pay down this debt. Um, you know, let me talk to my, my dad. You know, let me get things in order, and I will be there following you. It says in verse number 18, And straight away they forsook their nets and followed him. Mm-hmm. Brothers and sisters in Christ, mind blown. It it astonishes me. Sometimes I even thought, that's not real. Mm -hmm. It couldn't have happened like that. Mm -hmm. it, it couldn't possibly have happened like that, where Jesus is walking by the sea, sees two guys fishing, and says, uh, you two stop fishing, and I'll make you fishers of men, whatever that means. And they were like, oh yeah, we want to be fishers of men instead of real fishermen. And straight away they throw down their nets and follow Jesus. I used to think, that can't pop, that, that is, that, that is, that, that is a dream, that's a fairy tale. It couldn't have happened like that. And obviously Matthew accounts for this the same exact way. You know, two men um, of different times. You know, uh, Mark, um, you know, was M Matthew and Mark wrote these two epistles, these two accounts in completely different times on their own, independent of one another. And yet they account uh, the exact same way. OK, but even gets weirder than this. Or not weirder, but maybe astonishing to me as a as a human. In verse number 19, it says, and when he had gone a little further thence. Right, so he's got two, and he walks just a little bit further, and he sees the, the sons of Zebedee, James and his brother John, and they were mending their nets and the fish. They were busy working, and I presume he said the exact same thing to them, and in verse number 20, it says, and straight away he called them, and not only did they drop their net, but they left their father in the ship with his servants and followed Jesus Christ. They abandoned their job. How many of you would walk off your job if Jesus, you know, just came up to you and said, hey, brother people, I know you're working hard at PG&E, um, but I need you to follow me because I want to make you efficient. How, how many of us, and I'm not putting brother people on the spot, but how many of us would simply just abandon our jobs, knowing full well that we need that money 
to take care of ourselves, our families, and our friends. Knowing full well that I've got a credit card payment coming up next week. And I've got to put gas in the car. And I've got to put food in my refrigerator. And I've got to put clothes on my back. And I've got a mortgage to pay. How many of us would do that? Well, go back to Matthew, the sixth chapter, and verse number 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, mm -hmm. and all those things that you got to do will be added unto you. You know, I've told Sister Garner this many times. We got to get out of debt. We got to, all this trouble on top of trouble, you know, poor choices that I've made. And, you know, I'm the leader of the family, so all of the poor choices, all the debt, ultimately rolls up to me as a responsible, as a responsible party. Which, you know, thanks to Adam, right? <laughs> if I see Adam, I'm going to shake that man's hand. Um, but, and I say that jokingly, and right. I'll stop foolish jesting for a moment and get to the seriousness of the, the lesson. But again... I've got to get, I've got to dwindle all of these troubles based on choices that I've made until I get down to the inherent trouble that all human beings deal with. You got to feed, clothing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If I can get down to that, because Jesus didn't say in Matthew the sixth chapter and verse number 31, did Jesus say he's going to pay my debts? Did he say that Thomas? All those poor decisions that you made, if you seek me and my kingdom first and, and its righteousness, I'm going to take care of all of those debts. No, those are decisions that, those are ramifications of decisions that I, you know, when the scripture says that we must all bear one, you know, we must all bear one another's crosses, we must all also bear our own cross. Mm -hmm. You know what, you know, the cross symbolizes Sin. It is sin. Which reason why I don't understand why people wear crucifixes around mm -hmm. their neck. Mm -hmm. Right? Because the cross symbolizes the sin of the world. Mm -hmm. Jesus bore the sins, the poor decisions of each and every one of us on that cross. Amen. Every sin that you have made, even before you were baptized. You've got to bear it. For some of us, that's a heavy cross. Mm -hmm. But all glory be to God that through baptism into Jesus Christ or into the family of Christ, that God has given us His Spirit. He has given us His Word. Mm -hmm. He has given us one another as a family in God to be able to bear that cross in a manner that is pleasing to God. Right. But we still got to bear that cross. I've got to carry the baggage of student debt, of credit card debt, of, you know, silly debt, whatever the case may be, because that's the choice I've made. God told me not to do it. So I've got to bear it. But if I can get down to that inherent trouble, that inherent challenge that we all face, you know, I could be like that brother. 
I could be like John, James. Mm-hmm. I could be like Simon and Andrew. That when Jesus comes calling, I could say, yep, I'm following you. I will leave my job. I will walk off my job happily. Without guilt, without reservation, right? Because I know what Matthew 6.33 says, that but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of those basic necessities of life will be added unto me. Do birds have debt? No. Do the lilies of the field have debt? No. Do they add trouble on top of trouble? No, they don't. Now, you may say, well, they don't have a mind to. That's irrelevant. The problem, is the, the, the point is, is they don't. All of the basic things, the basic challenges, trials and tribulations of being a flower, of being a bird, of being a human being, God will provide all of the, all of the measures, all of the things that you need to overcome those because he loves you just as well as he loves every other organism that he created. Again, the problem is, is when you add trouble on top of trouble. Let's talk about, and I, and I told you I was going to finish, but um, Verse. Um, I think it's Mark, the tenth chapter. If you have your Bibles, turn over there. Uh, if you if you remember back, what well, I just we just read it, but if you reference back to Mark, the first chapter, in both instances were. Simon and Andrew were called by God. You know, you know what word is is active there that you see in both is forsook. You know what it means to uh, to forsake. That means to give up. It means that. They gave up, you know, their their interests. They gave up their time and attention to mending their nets, to fishing, to the family business. They forsook them. They, and I wouldn't even say they rejected it because it was an open profession to be a fisherman. Rather, they laid it down, set it off to the side. And turned all of their attention in another direction. The the thing that they were doing was no longer the recipient of their resources. They forsook it and put their resources and attention elsewhere. And the scripture I was looking for was Matthew the 19th chapter. Um, Mark the 10th chapter has the exact same thing, mm-hmm. um, but Matthew 19 is, is is the is the wording that I'm looking for. In Matthew, the 19th chapter, verse number 28, Jesus says unto them, He says, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, 
Ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Remember I mentioned there had to be twelve, mm -hmm. right? There had to be twelve disciples. So it wasn't like God, uh, Jesus needed more disciples. He needed twelve, specifically. That exact number for the reason that Jesus just mentioned here. Now, why... Now, <clears throat> I'm gonna. I'm. I'm just gonna leave that there because I could go off on another hour-long conversation about how Jesus even got to this particular statement. Just to give you a taste, I can't because I know I'll, I'll go off on a tangent, so I won't. Um, but it, I, I would just rep, go back and read Matthew the 19th chapter because there is a reason why. Jesus starts off by talking about the parable of the rich young ruler. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, where, where, what is it? Peter says, behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. Mm -hmm. What shall we have therefore? I can't help myself, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, man. Have you ever, have you ever, you know, made a sacrifice and you know kind of question the reason why you made that sacrifice you know it's just like man you know you know I married that woman but I could have been a bachelor and I'm, I'm using Thomas Gardner as an example he, uh, Sister Gardner said don't use me in it don't use her in any of my examples so all of these will be mine so you, and maybe that's that's not the best example, but I mean, have you ever, you know, gone into a relationship, into a an agreement with someone or something, and then, you know, not really seen the return on your investment? It's kind of like, man, well, why did I do that? I, I'll use the laundromat as an example, right? I went into that with, you know, thinking, man, you know, it's going to be a really good deal, you know, I'm. I'm going to be able to pay off all this debt. I'm going to be able to do this and do that. And then, you know, you look back and you're like, now why did I do that? What was, where's the ROI on this investment? And this leads off to another lesson. And I'm, I'm not even going to dip my toe in that water. But Peter exact, asked the exact same thing. He said, Jesus, you just got through telling us that it's harder for a rich man to get into to enter into heaven through the eye of a needle. Peter, you know, with the human mind, yeah. I love Peter because yeah. Peter is such a reflection of Thomas Garner, it's not even funny. Peter says, we have sacrificed all of this for you, and we're not going to reap the benefits on this life? Hmm. You know, I forsook all. I was hoping to you know, be a prince in this physical kingdom that you have, that you have spoken to us that you're going to establish. See, I dipped my toe in this other tongue. And so Peter says, we have forsaken all and followed thee. When are we going to get some payback? What shall we have therefore? And Jesus says, <laughs> Verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me 
In the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of glory, ye shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Mm -hmm. Right, you're not going to get your payback on this side of life. Amen. You're going to get your payback in the next. And this, and as I kind of get back towards the lesson here, in verse number th uh, 29, Jesus says, And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my, for my name's sake, I know you all are reading the rest of this verse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. You know how loving God is? God knows you have obligations. Mm -hmm. yes. God knows that you have people who rely upon you. And all he's saying is, is just focus all of your time and attention and resources on me instead of all of that. And guess what he says? Mm -hmm. If you do that for my name's sake, mm -hmm. you shall receive a hundredfold mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. shall inherit, inherit everlasting life. Mm -hmm. You see how even in the universe, the universe is expanding exponentially fast. So much so that the observable universe that we see will get darker and darker and darker and darker. Mm -hmm. But God loves us enough to have put Earth in the Milky Way where the gravitational pull of the large ball of light at the center of our universe will always connect all of the stars, will fight against the expansion of the universe, and there will always be a Milky Way. Mm -hmm. And I know this is the tip of the iceberg of God's wisdom, but just appreciate that for a second. Mm -hmm. Amen. While things are getting further away, the things that you need are still close mm -hmm. at hand. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. Now I understand why Simon, Andrew, James, and John were able to do what they did. Mm -hmm. You know, they at that point in their lives they didn't have they didn't have trouble on top of trouble on top of trouble. Mm -hmm. So they could easily, I wouldn't even say easily, but they could passionately, straight away without a moment's thought straight away forsake what they were doing and follow after God. And you know, Jesus tells us right there that as disciples of Jesus Christ, we may not see, right, we may not see the type of payback that we hope to get being a disciple of Christ, but if we forsake and I'm not saying reject. That's not what the scripture is saying. It's not a rejection. It's not, wife, I don't care about you anymore. You do your own thing. I'm just going to do what Jesus tells me to, tells me to do. That, that's not 
the way that you think it's saying. What Jesus is saying is if you focus, if you seek my kingdom and its righteousness, Maybe the further away you feel like you're getting away from father, mother, wife, children, lands, brethren, God in his gravitational pull will always keep the things that you need close at hand. Amen. He will increase it a hundredfold and you will inherit everlasting life. So if you're here this morning, and uh, you need prayers <clears throat> for strength. If you need prayers to, you know, and we all need prayers for strength. So I won't even say this. Each and every one of us needs prayers for spiritual strength. But if there is a, a fault that you have, you know, a nagging, you know, a nagging something in your mind that you need to overcome, um, you have today. God in His loving kindness has given you today. He has placed at least one righteous man in this room today to pray on your behalf that God will give you the strength to overcome that fall. Mm -hmm. Just as a public service announcement, there are things that you can do while you're paying off the trouble on top of trouble that you've made. While you're dwindling down the trouble, while you're you know, struggling to make that cross that you have made the size of a mansion, you know, smaller. There are things that you could be doing in the meantime. You could be studying to show that self-approved. The workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You could come to worship service. You could, you know, Brother Bill loves this verse. He says it all the time. Hebrews, I think it's 1125, somewhere around there. You know, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together or the matter of some is. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. And that may not be the book, chapter, and verse, but he says that quite a bit. Or at least I remember as a young yes. person. You know, don't forsake. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and now that we know what forsake means, yes. we can put that in the proper perspective, right? That yes. God knows that you got stuff that you need to take care of. Yes. He, is, he is not just... He is not unaware of your own personal challenges in life. Amen. He is intimately aware with what you have got to do and the obligations that you've got that you have to meet. And what he is telling you through his word is that while you're working to meet those obligations, make sure that you are putting the priority on doing what? On seeking him and his kingdom and his righteousness and he will assist you. It, it's, it's almost like this. If I am serving the kingdom while I'm trying to dwindle down the trouble on top of trouble, guess what I'm not doing? I'm not adding more trouble on top of that heath that I'm trying to dwindle down to a small pebble. So while I'm doing that, he's going to continue to bless me with the job. He's going to continue to bless me to dwindle down there until I get down to nothing. And guess what? At that point, you have an obligation. You have a charge as a disciple of Jesus Christ to do everything 
that we just got through reading in Matthew, the 19th chapter. You've got to give up everything and follow Christ. If you are debt free today, then what are you doing? If you ain't got no debts, if everything's paid up, then what's your excuse? Now, that doesn't mean you go out and get debt <laughs> just because, but you know what the point I'm trying to make here. Amen. That brother had two kids, and he made the choice. And he made the choice because he could make the choice. I can't make that choice today, right now, because I'm bearing the cross of my own personal sins. But I'm working on it. I could, and you know, Sister Garner and I have talked about this many times, and I'm going to stop talking about me, and I'm going to close the lesson, because this lesson has nothing to do with me. But here's what, just as an example, it's, it's you may have resources at your disposal that could take care of it, like, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But, but, hard to do that, is it not? I don't want to give up what I had in order to get rid of this baggage that I'm carrying. Sometimes, if you love God, if I love God, if I'm dedicated to the service of God, I should want to do that like yesterday. Just get it done and over with, move on, get to the base level. Then, you know, I could tell, you know, Hilmar Cheese, I quit, if that's part of God's plan, and be a full-time evangelist for, for Jesus Christ. Whatever that works out to be. I'm just throwing out there as an example. And I guess I'm just saying to conclude this lesson, is we should have every confidence that God will always be there to provide for us. He will, because God cannot lie. And if you ever doubt God, look at the dog that we almost ran over crossing the street. That dog was fat. He was scampering down the street without a care in the world. Because God provided a family to, to feed him. Look at the crocodiles. Look at uh, the roaches. Even the roaches have plenty of food to eat. Even the roaches, and I can't stand roaches, but even roaches have an abundance because God allows for that abundance to be able to, to be there. Amen. We're more valuable than roaches. At least I like to think we are. And so if we, if we doubt that God can provide, go look at the insects, go look at flowers, the dogs, the cats, the birds, all of those things. And yes, we are destroying our environment, but they're all, we, we've been destroying our environment, I guess is my point. And there will continue to be birds and insects and all of those things until the very end. God loves you. He wants to take care of you. Um, and so that's the lesson. If you're here um, and you need prayers of strength, um, Brother Marzette is going to lead us in song.
of invitation, then the floor will be open to anyone who needs a request heard. Again, be mindful of the uh, plan of salvation. We heard, we believed, we repented, we confessed, we went down that water of every baptism, and we're striving to live faithfully. There are conditions to everything. There are conditions to every single step of the plan of salvation. To hear means that the conditions that we have to open up our ears in order to hear it. To believe it means that we need to reject you know, what we see and believe in what we cannot see. To repent, there is a condition there that means that we have to give up our ways of living and accept the way of living for God. When we went down that water grave of baptism, we have to reject what? Our previous life and our previous way of thinking and come up out of that water a new creature in Christ Jesus with the renewing of our mind. Living faithfully until death also comes with conditions. We have to forsake father, mother, sister, brother, child, etc., 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 as it says in that verse, and put all of our time and attention in serving God. Every single step comes with conditions. It, it's not free. It's given freely. But it has conditions nonetheless. So if you're here this morning and you need prayers or strength, um, please stand as we sing the song of salvation. Song invitation.